Good morning. Happy Easter to you. Isn't it a great day to get to worship the Lord as we think about his resurrection? It's been a good weekend for us as a church family. I know that many of you all uh, participated in the Easter egg drop uh, yesterday at the uh, at the baseball fields. What a great day that was. Uh, didn't the Lord give us some wonderful weather yesterday? Man, we're so great, grateful for that. Uh, I know that, that uh, many that are here today may have attended, and so we are glad that you're here uh, with us today. For those who helped put it together, thank you. I know it was a, a big effort, and a lot of people were involved and put a lot of time in uh, to make that event uh, so special. So thanks to each of you for, for helping out on this on this Easter weekend. Uh, if you're a guest with us, I just want to echo what was said earlier and let you know how honored we are. You could have uh, gone to a lot of different places today to worship on Easter. Sunday, but you chose to come here today, and so we're so grateful, and we welcome you, and we're so glad that uh, that you are with us. I know that there's a lot of family members I've been able to meet, uh, many that uh, that have come to town over the weekend, and that's that's great as well to get to uh, to meet family members. This morning, we're going to see specifically how the resurrection of Jesus Christ makes a difference in our lives today, an event that happened so many years ago, and yet it has so many practical applications and implications for us uh, today. We're going to see specifically how we can be set free, that in a life that is oftentimes filled with, with despair or with struggle, with challenges, we know that in Christ we have many, many answers. There's, there's many uh, wonderful blessings that come from knowing Him. And it, it is uh, so much of this tied to His resurrection. The fact that He is a Savior who is alive, who defeated the grave, and that He offers to us something that no one else or nothing else can offer. And that is, uh, that is the freedom that, that comes through Him. As we begin, I want to tell you about a guy that, that was in a time of, of real desperation. Uh, it's actually something that was depicted in a, in a television show from the 1960s. Some of you all are too young to, uh, to remember the Alfred Hitchcock Hour. Maybe you saw some of these uh, episodes on, uh, as they were on reruns. But uh, the Alfred Hitchcock Hour was a, a show that, that always had something suspenseful. There was always a bit of intrigue and mystery there in the, in the plot. And, and uh, on this particular episode, a man had just been sentenced uh, to a labor prison for 15 years because he had been a, uh, convicted as a bank robber. And so he knew he didn't want to spend the next 15 years of his life in a, uh, in a lumber labor prison. So he's thinking about how he could break out. And so the, the episode picks up with him on a bus going into the prison. And as he's entering, he notices that there is an older man outside the prison gate in a prison uniform. And he's working in a small cemetery there off to the, to the side of the prison. And, and the man thinks, that's going to be my exit. I'll get to, be, to befriend that guy and he'll be my, he'll be my, uh, my way out of the prison. So sure enough, as he, uh, as he gets uh, established there, he tries to get to know this guy. The guy works in the workroom, builds the caskets, and then also is a part of burying any prisoners who die. The guy's name is Doc. And so he befriends Doc and tells him about this plan that he'd like to, to, uh, to maybe sneak into a casket at some point and, and find his way out and that Doc could come back and, and, uh, and, and dig him back up later. And uh, Doc said, are you sure about that? You actually want to go into a, to a, to a casket with a corpse? He said, I'll do it. I'll do anything to get out of here. And Doc said, it's too risky. I can't, I can't take that risk. And he said, well, can I, can I give you some money? Can I? He said, I've got some resources. After all, what, a bank robber, right? So he said, I've got some money. I'll help you out. He said, well, if you'll pay for my granddaughter's surgery, 
I will get you into one of those caskets at some point and we'll get, we'll get you out of the, out of the prison. So, uh, sure enough, it wasn't that long later that a, that a bell tolled in the nighttime. Someone had died and he thought, I'll, I'll sneak my way into the workroom. Sure enough, there's the casket. He got in, got down into the casket next to the corpse and a smile came to his face as the next morning he was being taken out of the prison, through the gate, into the ground. He could even hear the dirt coming in onto the casket and he just knew it would only be a matter of time. Doc would be back out there digging him up and he'd be free. And he waited and he waited and he waited all day. He waited all night. He began to get really nervous about whether or not this plan was working. He, had, he just felt like the darkness was closing in on him. So he had a pack of matches with him. And he, he lit one just to get a little bit of light. He looked over at the corpse. And it was dark. <laughs> Yeah, you talk about a plan that didn't come together. Here he was in despair. Then he had hope and now he's back in despair again. Well, the word of God talks to us about despair and even points us to one who could defeat the grave, who could overcome all of what this world had to offer. This morning, I want to uh, to invite your attention to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 24. And we're going to be seeing that there were a group of people they were also in desperation. They might not have been in desperation like uh, John, the prisoner. They may not be in the type of desperation that, that we have experienced, but they were having a difficult time. In fact, the whole city of Jerusalem was really struggling with how to understand the entrance of Jesus Christ, his death by crucifixion, and then his burial and now his resurrection, at least some were saying that, and they were really struggling with how to understand this. In fact, we're going to be reading an account of how some of Jesus's followers were working through these questions today. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be in a series of messages called set free. And today we're going to see that in Christ, we can be set free from despair. And we're going to see specifically how some of his followers we're set free from desperation uh, through Jesus Christ. And in the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at, 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 at fear and guilt. And uh, Lord willing, we'll even take a look at, 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 at depression. Some of these struggles that this life has to offer. Uh, many times people don't realize the Bible speaks to these things. The Bible has, has insight and answers. And so we're going to be spending some time looking at that over the next few weeks. But on this Resurrection Sunday, we are going to go back and we're going to look and pick back up at the, the account of the resurrection. Because a lot of people that day were struggling with what had happened. There was a cloud of desperation hanging over the city of Jerusalem and especially around those who had been followers of Jesus Christ. We're going to see in the Gospel of Luke chapter 24 that it was indeed a time of despair. And that may surprise you. You think it was Resurrection Sunday. How could there be despair? Because there was some misunderstanding. There was, uh, there was a lot of questions that were being asked. So we're going to pick back up in the account. Jesus had died. He'd been buried. The, uh, there were some ladies that wanted to come to his tomb, but they couldn't on the Sabbath. That was forbidden. So they went to the first day of the week, what we would call Sunday. They made their, their trip there early in the morning. And when they arrived at the tomb that Jesus had been buried in, there was someone else there. There was an angel who said, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. Why? He has risen. 
just as he said. And the ladies were ecstatic. They they remembered what Jesus had 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 predicted would happen. And so they were so excited. They went back and they found the disciples meeting together and they shared with them what they had seen and what they had experienced. And and two of the disciples, uh, Peter and John, took off. They were just they were on a race to the tomb to see if it was as if what the ladies had said was true. But they didn't all take off. Can you imagine being there, getting that news and hearing this account and yet it not moving you? That's what happened to some of them. Look with me at chapter 24 and we'll pick up in verse 11. It said, speaking of the words the ladies had said, but these words seemed to them an idle tale. And they did not believe them. Yes, today there are some that look at the resurrection and would use similar words. There are some that don't believe. There are some that, that, don't, that, that don't have their questions answered. And this time there were some whose disbelief and doubt were present. It was like a fog that was blocking their sight, blocking their faith. Can you imagine what it must have been like? These disciples had been with Jesus Many of them for years. They'd heard him teach. They'd seen his miracles. They'd seen his compassion. They remembered that it was only a week ago as he was coming into Jerusalem that the whole city was crying out praise and saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. All of Jerusalem was welcoming Jesus. They thought that he was going to rescue them from the Romans. They thought that he was going to be a political Messiah. And so, so as the week unfolded, Jesus was brought to trial. He was brought before Pilate and Herod. And finally, they, they, they asked the crowd again, what should we do with Jesus? And they didn't say, Hosanna. What did they say this time? Crucify him. The city had turned in a week's time, turned against Jesus. And he was given one of the cruelest punishments known to man at that time with two other thieves he was nailed to a cross a severe form of 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 persecution of of the death penalty if you will at that time by the romans and so here we have the followers of jesus just trying to understand what has happened to the one that we listen to the one that, that taught us, the one who performed miracles, all these things that he did, the way the city responded to him. And then they turned and he died and now he's dead and he's in a tomb. This is where we pick up. And this is the despondency that these followers were feeling. In fact, look down at verse 13. There are two of them uh, that decided they would just leave the town and you can't hardly blame them, can you? They wanted to leave the city with all they'd experienced. It says in verse 13, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So they're going to be on the road for a few hours, aren't they? And what were they doing? Verse 14 tells us they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened while they were talking and discussing together. Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? Now, again, who's asking the question? Jesus. He knew the answer. He just wanted to get them to talk about it. Right. And here's what it says. And they stood still looking 
sad. So on that first resurrection Sunday, there were some who were sad. There were some who didn't believe. There were some who were who were sad. Your version might use the word downcast, disillusioned. These were people who'd followed Christ, and yet this is their condition on that first resurrection Sunday. They did not believe. Let's keep reading. Verse 18. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him. Listen, there's almost a little bit of sarcasm here in his answer. Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? (laughs) Where have you been? How could you not know what's happening? Verse 19. And he said to them, what things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. And look at verse 21. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Do you see what's happening? Their hopes had been dashed. They just knew it was time for their leader to rise up. The tyranny of the Romans to to be dispelled by this great miracle worker, this great prophet, this Messiah. And yet he went to the grave and they were perplexed. Here's how one commentator said it. Stuart McAlpine said, Cleopas and his friend had a problem. They were bitterly disappointed and disheartened. The nails driven through Jesus' hands and feet had punctured their belief and their hopes were leaking out. You see, they had followed Him. They trusted that Jesus would be the Messiah. And they were now looking at all that had happened and they just couldn't make sense of it. This, this author goes on to say, they could make no sense of the available data. There could be no explanation plausible or powerful enough to lift their heavy despondency. So this was the situation that Jesus interjected himself into. I want us to see that in the time of despair, Jesus drew near. He came to them. He met them where they were at. And he gave them exactly what they needed. And you know, there may be some people that are here with us today. And Jesus is coming alongside. He's giving you His Word. He's wanting you to have the truth that, yes, they needed at that time, but that we need today as well. It's life-changing truth. Truth that can change a perspective. It can change an eternity. But it's a matter of, of coming near and listening. Listening to what Jesus has to say. What did He say to them? He went back and He, he talked to them about what it meant to have uh, God provide a Savior. So on this first day, they needed to hear those words. And there may be some with us today that need to hear those words as well. Because let's just be honest, this, this life does bring about struggles, doesn't it? It brings about challenges. We, we, we lose loved ones. We, we see and hear of, of medical diagnoses that, that, we, that we just would rather not hear. We have challenges at times in, in relationships, in marriages and families. There's, cha- there's struggles here. There's struggles in the job, in the workplace. There can be financial hardship. What do you think of when you think of people that are going through a time of despair? One of those things come to mind or maybe something else? Because in this life we do face that. 
In fact, it has quite an effect on us, not just emotionally, but it can even have physical effects upon us when we are, are dealing with despair. The, uh, the American Heart Association has a journal, and it, it wrote in one of its journals that people who experience high levels of despair have a 20% greater occurrence of the narrowing of the arteries. Isn't that something? That that kind of despair can even impact us physically? That it can impact our health? Something that would even cause uh, possible heart attacks and strokes? You see, that's, that's the challenge of the day, that people have struggles that they deal with. Some of it is even the fear of death or the fear of dying. Not knowing what's beyond or how to prepare. There's a, a, a guy named Dmitry Itzkov, and I've got a picture of him here. He's a, a Russian entrepreneur, billionaire. He's called a tech mogul and a media mogul. He's just, just uh, uh, very much uh, into uh, uh, technology and trends. And, and uh, this is a picture of him speaking at a, uh, at a global summit, a global initiative called 2045. And let me tell you, I, I saw this article a few weeks ago and I saved it for Easter Sunday because of the headline. This is what it says. Media mogul Dmitry Itzkov plans to live forever. I had, I had to read that, right? He plans to live forever by uploading his personality to a robot. Okay, I'm going to read that. that that's intriguing. Well, he's, he's, he's looking at, at this idea of saying, let's create an avatar. Let's create a robot. And, and let's see if we can transfer someone's mind and their personality into this, into this, uh, this apparatus that can live forever. That's where he's placing and pinning his hopes. And you know, really, what he is hoping for is no different than what the ancient Egyptians hoped for. It's no different than what the, the Native Americans hope for. Culture after culture, generation after generation, people have tried to solve the question of life and death and eternity. This is just a, one of the latest examples of it. We'll see what he comes up with, right? 2045, if, uh, if this can happen. Well, back to Cleopas and the other disciple. They were confused. They were downcast. We left them. They were sad. They had more questions than answers. But as we see in this passage, someone came alongside to share truth with them. This someone, of course, was Jesus, the risen Savior. This unknown traveler whom they would later find out was Jesus took time. So let's think for a moment about this timely explanation. Look at verse 17 with me. Because Jesus realized in the statement that they made that they thought the Messiah was there to go against the Romans. But he was going to tell them going all the way back to Moses and the prophets that the Messiah had a greater victory to win. That the Messiah was coming to once and for all deal with sin. Sin had, 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 had been that which broke the relationship between God and those he created. And so that's why Moses gave the law to help people see that. That's why the prophets came. And, and the prophets such as Isaiah would speak of a time that God would send a Savior. Someone that could come and bridge that gap between God and man. So he was trying to help them see that this Savior, this Messiah, was not just there because of a mortal enemy, the Romans. But he was there to deal with the spiritual enemy. The one that, 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 uh, that would keep them in bondage to their sin. Look at verse 27 with me. And beginning with Moses 
and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Wouldn't you have enjoyed being on that journey with Cleopas, the other disciple in Jesus, just dialoguing about what all this meant? You see, Jesus was the fulfillment of all these prophecies. God said He would send a Savior, a rescuer, so that people could once again have hope. That relationship with God had been broken because of sin. And so God sent His only Son, who would be that Messiah, who would be that Savior. And for those who would believe in Him, who would trust in Him, they could have that relationship with God restored. And I want to, I want to be very clear this morning. That truth is still true today. And there are people that are present that have been worshiping today because you know that. You've been set free from the bondage of sin and what this world offers. And you're worshiping, saying He has done for me what He did for them. And there are others that are here that might be like these disciples. And you have questions and you're seeking and you're asking God to show Himself and to, to help explain what His plan is. And I think that today you're in the right place. Because you're getting to hear about what Jesus has provided and how He can restore that relationship back with God and give the heavenly gifts of forgiveness and peace and restored hope. That's what these guys were, were, were receiving and what we too can receive today. Let's, let's continue reading and see that there is a new reality of hope. Notice how the word sadness, despair, despondency, they don't show up after this conversation that they have with Christ. It says, in their eyes, verse 31, were opened. And they recognized Him. And He vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while He talked to us on the road while He opened to us the Scriptures. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. Now let me ask you, how far did it say Jerusalem and Emmaus were? They'd already had a pretty full day. They'd already had a pretty long walk. And yet they had a renewed hope. They had to get back to Jerusalem. They had to find the other disciples. They had to tell what they had experienced personally. And so off they go. Let's pick back up. Where are we at? Verse, middle of verse 33. And they found the eleven. And those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed. What those ladies had said was true. The Lord had risen. And it made a difference to them. Their hope was alive. They were no longer sad. They were no longer in despair. The pieces were coming back together. They were understanding. And dear friend, there may be some of you today that that's what you've been looking for. You may have looked at what this world has to offer and tried all kinds of things to find peace or fulfillment. But it could be that this is the peace that you've been longing for as well. These aren't just pie-in-the-sky words. These are words that come down and meet us right where we are. Just like those struggling disciples on the road to Emmaus. Jesus can come right in. He can meet us on the road. At times, He can meet us in the drive through What do I mean by that? Did you see this last week? This story out of Washington State in the drive through line? 
It made the news. There's two guys. We'll put a picture up of Evan Freeman and Pierce Dunn. They live in Washington. They work at this store behind behind them, Dutch Brothers Coffee Shop. They were working that morning a week ago today when a lady pulled in through the drive-thru. And as they would any to any customer, they'd greet them and say, how are you doing? And this lady broke down and wept sitting behind the wheel of her car. They couldn't understand. They only asked her how she was doing. And she's there crying. And she, she gets her composure and explains to them that just yesterday her husband died. 37 years old. So this would have been eight days ago from today. And what do these guys do? Look at the next picture. Did you see this? What does it look like they're doing? They're praying. Can you do that in America today? In a public place? I don't know. Can you? Can you do that in Washington State? Is that, are they going to be sued for it? I don't know. But they couldn't even hardly get enough people hanging out of the drive-thru to reach down and be representatives of Jesus and offer words through prayer of hope and healing to a person in despair. Why do I share that? Because that's what the resurrection brought. It brought hope. It brought the opportunity for someone's life to be renewed. To find that restoration in walking with God once again. And today, for us as followers of Christ, let us be encouraged. Let us be able to worship in spirit and truth. Let us thank God for setting us free from the penalty of sin. And setting us free from the bondage that it brings. Let us thank Him. For giving us perspective on the challenges that we face in this life. And to allow us to see beyond the temporal. And to see the eternal which He is preparing for us. And I also do want to give a word of invitation for those that are here. That are just thinking. That are just asking questions. First of all, I want to say I am glad that you're here. And that you are considering. That you're thinking about what it means to hear of this one named Jesus, whose followers claim that he defeated the grave. I want us to pray, and I know in a moment we're gonna we're gonna sing again, and we're gonna we're gonna give back in in a time of, of offering. But before we do that, could we just have a time to pray? I know that the Easter Sunday can get really busy, and you've probably got a whole lot of plans that are waiting for you when we're done, and we're we're almost there, we're almost done, but. If you haven't prayed yet today, would you take some time? Let's just bow our heads, close our eyes. And would you personally pray a prayer to the Lord? Would you thank Him for sending Jesus? Would you thank Him for the provision? Would you just take time to, to word that yourself? If you're here today and you, you're not so sure you have it all understood and you, you have more questions than... Then answers. Can I encourage you just to bring those to the Lord and let him meet you just as he met those disciples. Ask him to help you to, to see him and to, to have faith in what he has done. You can be honest with him because he already knows your heart. He created you and he loves you. And he wants you to have that type of relationship with him again. Maybe your prayer could be something like, Lord, I hear of your victory over the grave. I thank you 
for dying on the cross and paying the penalty that I deserved. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to be my Savior, to be my Lord. If that's your heart, you can express those words to Jesus today. And this can be a day of transformation. Easter Sunday, 2016, can be a new start. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words today. I thank you for those disciples that were present on the first Easter Sunday. I thank you for their honesty. I thank you for their dialogue, for their pursuit, and for their faith. And God, we ask that as we come so many years later, and yet at times carry some of the same questions and certainly some of the same needs, Lord, may we look to you through eyes of faith, asking for you to renew And to restore. To forgive us. And receive us as your own. Lord we do worship you this day. We thank you that we can sing praises. We thank you that we can pray. We thank you even that we can give back offerings. And we pray that you'll bless all that happens. For you are the living Savior. The one who defeated sin and death and hell. You have the victory. And we worship you today, thanking you for what you have done and what you have given to us. We worship you now and we lift these praises before your throne. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen.